At City of Hope, its innovative treatments for cancer and groundbreaking research have saved millions of lives all over the world. This is City of Hope Radio with your host, Melanie Cole. Lynch syndrome is an inherited condition that gives a person a higher risk of cancers of the digestive tract, gynecologic tract, and other organs. My guest today is Dr. Thomas Slavin. He's a clinical geneticist and assistant clinical professor in the Department of Medical Oncology and Therapeutics Research at City of Hope. Welcome to the show, Dr. Slavin. A lot of people, this is a new one for some people. What is Lynch syndrome? Lynch syndrome is uh, an inherited predisposition to getting colorectal cancer. Uh, and other cancers from your family. And so it's in our mom and dad genetics. It affects probably somewhere around uh, 1 in 500 people per everyone. It's it, almost as common as, uh, or at least in the ballpark of uh, uh, similar syndromes like BRCA1 and BRCA2 um, that people commonly think of when they think of Angelina Jolie now, uh, who made uh, those really famous. So uh, it's something commonly tested um, uh, for people that get uh, colorectal cancer. Um, and uh, we, we see it all the time. So then what are some of the signs? If you're looking at specific cancers, colorectal cancer or some of the other digestive, where does Lynch syndrome fit, fit into that picture? Is this now a genetic test? Does the family get tested? Tell us about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been uh, recommendations that literally every single person that gets colon cancer should have um, at least a tumor test that can hint uh, whether that uh, person may have Lynch syndrome or not. Um, now, that is not being done currently at all centers. Um, however, a lot of centers it is. Um, and um, when the test is done, if it comes back abnormal, uh, a lot of people get picked up that way, and so they get referred to someone like me. Uh, than to, to try to figure out if it's really from their mom and dad genetics. Um, other ways uh, would be if there's a really strong family history of colon cancer, uh, especially on one side of the family. There's, a, there's criteria uh, that's called the Amsterdam 1 and Amsterdam 2 criteria uh, to pick up those families. Um, there's, um, and, and Amsterdam 2 um, uh, it picks up even more families because uh, in addition to colon cancer, there's a huge risk for other cancers, particularly for women, uh, uterine cancer. That's the other big big one where almost uh, 70% of women uh, with Lynch syndrome will, will get uterine cancer. So like BRCA1 and BRCA2, Dr. Slavin, people hear about those, as you say, in the media. People don't understand that everybody has that gene. It's the mutation of the gene that you have or not. So in is this similar that way? We're all going to have these genes, the MLH1 and such, and it's a mutation, or do you just not have the gene if you're not at risk for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yes, it is. These are exactly like BRCA1 and BRCA2. So breast cancer gene 1 and breast cancer gene 2. Those were the first genes uh, discovered putting people at a really high risk for uh, breast cancer. Breast cancer gene one was the first one, um, and at the at a similar time in genetics, um, uh, you know, we were identifying a lot of families at high risk for other hereditary cancer syndromes, and so um, you, the other classic syndrome um, at that time was uh, uh, kind of a 
friend of Lynch syndrome in a way. It's called familial adenomatous polyposis syndrome. So it's it's in a weird way almost the the opposite of Lynch syndrome because those people get thousands of polyps all through their colon. But the family histories are so striking uh, that it was uh, uh, one of the first uh, other cancer syndromes to get picked up uh, along with BRCA1. Um, and then Lynch syndrome was identified um, uh, many, many decades ago, uh, at least by families. And some of the work uh, by Dr. Lynch, uh, who the syndrome is named after now, was really uh, collating those families, trying to figure out uh, that there was a risk in the family, uh, you know, thinking that it was due to a gene. And then as genetic technologies got better over the decades, being able to identify some of the genes, like you brought up MLH1 and MSH2, and then there's another gene, MSH6 and PMS2, and some other variations thereof um, that affect the gene. Now, you are uh, 100% correct. We all have these genes. We all have MLH1. We, we have two copies. One copy came from our mom. One copy came from our dad. Um, and uh, the majority of people, uh, MLH1 works totally perfect. It's uh, job is to repair DNA, uh, very similar uh, to B- how BRCA1 and BRCA2 work. It's in a little bit different pathway, but it's in this uh, pathway called mismatch repair. So it just tries to fix our DNA. If there's a problem in that gene, um, it's almost always inherited from a parent. Um, and that does set up for Lynch syndrome. And so if one gene is not working correctly, uh, you still have a totally normal working copy. Um and you really, you know, the theory is you don't develop the cancer, uh, the colon cancer, the endometrial cancer, or whatever cancer we're talking about, until that second copy in that same cell has a problem. And so that's why you see early onset cancer. Uh, so I'll digress a little bit in the sense of talking now about the two-hit hypothesis. So this was uh, an old uh, cancer hypothesis that's been around for a long time. Uh, by Dr. Knudsen, uh, and what it refers to is uh, our cells have all these little uh, proteins that try to fix our DNA. Uh, if something happens uh, with one of those uh, copies of the of the actual uh, fixer itself of the uh, in the DNA, you are fine because you still have a backup copy. Um, however, the second time um, that or the second hit, essentially, of your other working copy of that uh, same little gene. So if we're talking about MLH1, if one copy stops working in your 40s and then in your 70s, the second copy in that same cell line stops working, then you develop colorectal cancer at 70. What happens in Lynch syndrome and similar to the other hereditary cancer syndromes, um, because they're mostly tumor suppressor, uh, syndromes uh, involving tumor suppressor genes, so trying to keep tumors at bay, um, you're born with one strike against you. So you're born, you already have one strike against you. So instead of getting that second hit when you're in your 70s, that second hit really comes in your 30s or 40s uh, in that same cell line. And that's why you see really early onset cancers uh, that can be really striking in these families. So are there some screening options for Lynch syndrome? Do you want people to have more colonoscopies than the average person or testing for H. pylori? Are there there anything that people can do prophylactically to help themselves with these strikes against them, as it were? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, And so at uh, City of Hope, we are a National Comprehensive Cancer Network Center, um, and so we participate in the uh, guidelines 
uh, National Comprehensive Cancer Network guidelines, which are really have really, in a sense, become uh, kind of the global guidelines uh, for uh, these kind of things. I mean, definitely in the United States, but uh, uh, very international uh, adopted guidelines as well. Uh, and, um, you know, what I say to my patients with Lynch syndrome is our goal is to keep you free of cancer now. Um, you should not be you know, theoretically dying of cancer, uh, at least uh, some of the cancers that we can prevent. Um, now, there's, you know, clearly some cancers um, that are uh, extremely difficult to prevent in 2016 uh, or even uh, detect early that are part of Lynch syndrome, such as um, uh, the very low likelihood of getting brain cancers and pancreatic cancers. However, even our detection of those is getting better, and overall, they're a very small percentage, like 1% to 5% of uh, all the people with Lynch syndrome. The major cancers, the most frequent that we see, uh, such as colon cancer and endometrial cancer, ovarian cancer, stomach cancer, these we uh, should be pretty uh, proactive uh, in our ability to keep people cancer-free. And so what we recommend is people with Lynch syndrome uh, to start getting colonoscopies between 20 and 25. That's usually two to five years uh, or, or two to five years prior to the earliest colon cancer in the family. We recommend instead of the um, average U.S. Uh, risk person to start colonoscopies at 50 and then every 10 years, we recommend uh, starting really at that age, the 20 to 25, and then every one to two years. So it's very tight colon surveillance. Now, what that means is um, it takes years for a colon, can- uh, colon polyp to turn into cancer. And so we should be able to keep someone cancer-free because theoretically we should be able to pluck out any polyp that's there uh, prior to a developing cancer. And if you're getting very frequent colonoscopies, um, you really, I mean, in theory, we should be able to keep you uh, nice and cancer-free. Now, uh, there's other screening that comes along. Uh, we also recommend... Uh, stomach, um, so doing the scope uh, through the mouth and looking at the stomach. Um, and that um, the stomach cancers and Lynch syndrome are a little bit later in onset, so we don't usually recommend that until 30 to 35 unless uh, there's some really early stomach cancer in the family. We may dial it down. Um, yes, treating H. pylori, as you brought up, is, is a big one. Um, for the uh, uterus and the ovaries, um, we recommend uh, right now the uterus uh, the consideration of uh, removing the uterus, um, you know, usually 35 to 40 or at the end of uh, childbearing, um, in addition to removing the ovaries at that time, uh, just because in particular ovarian cancer, there's no effective uh, screening, unfortunately, in 2016 that's really held up uh, in studies, although, um, you know, this may change over time as well. Uh, but at least right now, to keep people free of ovarian cancer, that's the, the recommendation. Um, and then we also uh, perform uh, urine screening uh, once a year just to uh, see if we can uh, pick up any uh, abnormal cells in the urine that might indicate uh, some of the uh, urine tract cancers that people can get. Um, pancreatic cancer, we only there's some research screening that's going on, and we tend not to do that unless there's a family history of pancreatic cancer. Uh, We don't change breast cancer uh, surveillance uh, for Lynch syndrome um, individuals because it's not thought to be strongly linked to breast cancer. Um, And uh, other than that, um, you know, just making sure that there's nothing going on uh, at least once a year with uh, uh, anything unusual like new headaches, waking somebody up from sleep every night, things that could be concerning for, uh, say, a brain tumor. Uh, I also do a full neurologic exam when I see people just to make sure everything is uh, working like it's supposed to. Um, and those, I mean, 
doing that kind of, um, you know, screening on everyone, you know, um, plan, which is really, again, per the NCCN guidelines, is, um, you know, the pretty good. And uh, the goal is to keep people uh, nice and healthy. Uh, personally, I even have a Lynch syndrome screening clinic and uh, surveillance clinic, and this is literally what I do in the clinic. So uh, our goal is to keep people uh, cancer-free and to help uh, pr- protect their families. What great information, Dr. Slavin. And last question here, who do they go to see to get all of these screenings? Do they come and see a geneticist? Do they go to an oncologist right off the bat? Who do they go to Mm -hmm. see? I think the most important thing is to have an open dialogue with your treating doctors. Um, That's step one. Um, Step two is really uh, finding someone that has experience in Lynch syndrome. Um, You know, you don't want necessarily uh, to be the first patient that someone's ever had with Lynch syndrome. You want to try to get to somebody that has some expertise. Um, in most places, um, that would be uh, the, so most uh, uh, cancer centers or, I mean, really big hospital systems in general, uh, because again, a lot of people with Lynch syndrome don't have cancer yet, so they may not be plugged into a cancer center at the uh, present time because they just have a, a family history of cancer and they just were identified with a genetic change that puts them at, you know, uh, uh, puts them with a molecular diagnosis of Lynch syndrome. Um, usually the uh, person that does the genetic testing, if they've had genetic counseling through a genetics professional, such as a genetic counselor or a clinical geneticist, those people, uh, even if they don't do the screening uh, program themselves, know who does in the community. So that's an excellent place to start, is to start with that center that does the genetic testing. Now, there are a lot of patients getting... Um, tested through their regular doctors for Lynch syndrome. And I think a good question is, okay, so if this does come back positive, you know, who are you going to send me to? Um, Because, you know, it's good to just have that uh, knowledge in hand uh, prior to always doing a testing. And I do always recommend, uh, as well as many guideline committees, um, having genetic counseling prior to having this testing, because it also makes it a very smooth flow where if you do get identified with Lynch syndrome, now everything's already in motion and you can be referred immediately to the right specialist. So the next set of questions can all be answered about your management and surveillance. Um, In general, um, I would say most major cities now uh, in today's day and age, because Lynch syndrome is common enough, will definitely have experts in Lynch syndrome. A lot of times they're actually gastroenterologists. uh, just because they're the ones doing a lot of the screening. Um, you know, I, I will say, though, you know, you heard the whole list of cancers that I put out, and uh, hopefully that got across that this is a very constitutional, systemic kind of condition. So you can get a lot, you know, besides just the colon cancer, there's a lot of other things we recommend screening for. And so that's why it's just important, even if you do end up at a gastroenterologist, making sure that they are still thinking about asking you for, you know, have you had new headaches or doing a neurologic exam on you, uh, doing the urine screening, uh, thinking about uterus and ovaries for women, uh, you know, so, so that your care is being uh, taken, handled appropriately. There's also a lot of patient sites out there as well that can, um, uh, you know, especially in our age of information. Uh, for instance, um, we just uh, did a, <clears throat> a, a hereditary colon cancer family day where we had a lot of families with Lynch syndrome come to City of Hope, uh, and we did um, uh, an educational day for families, uh, uh, patients and their families. And it was uh, put on through um, one of the organizations uh, nationally 
that uh, is a patient ab- advocacy uh, kind of organization and connects families uh, with Lynch syndrome <clears throat> as well. Uh, so there are some of those out there that are good uh, sources of information because, you know, not everyone has access to the National Comprehensive Cancer Network guidelines, obviously, uh, but everybody has access uh, pretty much in today's day and age to uh, Internet and can uh, get in touch with some sure. of these uh, organizations. Well, what a fascinating topic and such great information. I applaud all the good work that you're doing there, Dr. Slavin, at City of Hope. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're listening to City of Hope Radio, and for more information, you can go to cityofhope.org. That's cityofhope.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.